Hello and welcome to God's Gym, the podcast where we consider how we can reach our full potential as human beings, physically, mentally and spiritually. Jesus says he has come that we may have life in abundance. And we ask, what is abundant life and how can we live it? I am Mark, an army chaplain, and with me is Paul, an army scripture reader. And today we're going to begin to talk about the Bible. What is the Bible? Why does it exist? What is it for and how do we use it? But before we get to the Bible, I want to talk about another book that I'm reading at the moment called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. David Goggins was a U.S. Navy SEAL and an elite athlete, and he talks about the 40-60 rule. And just briefly, the 40-60 rule says when you've gone as far as you think you can, when you're just at the end of your resources and you can't take another step, he suggests you've only actually tapped 40% of your resources and you have another 60% left. And he applies it to all kinds of endeavors, not just to physical ones. Although this is a man who runs ultra marathons on a regular basis. I'm not sure daily, but he does it quite often. Now, 40% rule is the idea that when your mind is telling you to quit, that your body has actually only used up 40% of its potential. And if you think of that in terms of of a workout, any kind of workout in the gym or on the bike or, or on a run, how many times have you felt after a long session that doubt begins to creep into your mind, your mind begins to say, look, this is enough is enough. We've done enough. Time to stop. Time to slow down. Think of that duvet. Think of that packet of cookies that's uh, back home in the cupboard. Just think of of rest. And according to David Goggins, at this point, we are only 40% used up and we are still capable of so much more. And he explains that this 60% doesn't just come from the body. This isn't just a physical 60% that's left. It's from our will. It's about the willpower. And I guess in some ways it's tapping into what we said in an earlier podcast about Field Marshal Slim in Burma and that that sense of a spiritual reality that there is something deep within us that can take us further than we could even begin to imagine sat in the comfort of our armchair. I think that does tap into what we've been talking about spirituality, doesn't it, Paul? Yeah, I, I believe so, Mark. Uh, and of course, when you go back to the uh, podcast that we did on spirituality, it did come out that spirituality means different things to different people. And of course, we as, as, as Christians, we realize that spirituality is centered on a person that is Jesus Christ. But getting back to the, the 40 and 60% rule, it actually brings back to my own remembrance uh, several years ago, actually, uh, of having to dig deep and having to push myself a little further because I was on a, a conference. I actually remember every morning getting up to go for a little run and one of my associates one of my friends Steve had seen me every morning get up and go out and go for a run and and, and come back and he says Paul can I join you now I have to give you some background information on Steve Steve uh, was a former Royal Marine officer. So I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to go out running with a former Royal Marine because although Steve, similar to my own age, um, he still looked the part. But I, I agreed to let Steve come with me. He did insist that he had two dodgy feet because of his time spent in Norway uh, doing his uh, Arctic stuff. So on this morning in particular, we're out running and I have to say I struggled to keep up with Steve. He was going so fast and I thought, well, I can't let this guy with the dodgy feet beat me so I actually dug down deep I believe I was expending more than 40% but I really was struggling and the sweat was pouring down well eventually when we did arrive back at the conference centre uh, you know those situations where your lungs are burning the back of your throat's really dry uh, and you're puffing and panting 
I was really, really uh, struggling. And I'm so glad that after six miles that we come to, to an end. But I, I remember looking over to Steve and Steve, well, he didn't look too well either. But I, I said, Steve... I was struggling to keep up with you. And, and Steve just looked at me and he says, you were struggling to keep up with me. He says, actually, I was struggling to keep up with you, Paul. So there you are, uh, two 50-year-olds uh, sort of struggling to, to run uh, six miles. But yes, at, at times we do have to dig deep and it's remarkable what the human body can actually do. It is remarkable, absolutely. And that's, that's one focus of this podcast, isn't it? That we believe that as human beings, the way God has made us, we are awesome creations. We are the most awesome creation in this universe. And we know that we're constantly tapping new skills and pushing new limits. And I was reminded the other day of Roger Bannister, who ran the first four-minute mile, which experts considered impossible at the time, until, of course, he broke the the barrier. And then once he did that, lots of other athletes suddenly began to break the four-minute barrier. And we've seen that in athletic events, that records are routinely broken. And part of the philosophy I think David Goggins is coming up with around this 40-60 rule is that you are capable of so much more than than even you believe and that if you keep pushing then you can push yourself past your actually self-induced limits which I guess is what you found when you were running with your, with your friend. Now here's the thing maybe this makes a lot of sense for Navy SEALs and pro athletes and so on but David Goggins actually suggests when you're in pain you should just push past the pain and he's talking about physical pain as well as mental pain and I just wonder is it so healthy to do that so where he's running I think in one instance he was running a hundred mile race and and he had broken bones in his feet. And I think at one point he talks about having uh, early stages of kidney failure. Now, I don't know, if you're a Navy SEAL, maybe that makes sense that you need to have that kind of focus and belief. But what about the rest of us, Paul? <laughs> have you heard the old saying, no pain, no gain? Well, can I add to that? No brain, no pain. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, you're, you're talking about uh, breaking bones in your feet from running. You know, I'm actually reminded of a strongman. I think a couple of podcasts ago, I talked about Terry Hollins, who was a strongman. Well, I have to mention Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall, born and bred in Stoke, and he's a, a strong man. He has many, many crowns to his name. He was the world's strongest man in 2017. He's been the UK strongest man, Britain's strongest man. But listen, back in 2016, he achieved the unbelievable record of deadlifting. Now, deadlifting 500 kilograms in old money. That's 1,102 pounds. He actually deadlifted that. That's a world record. And actually, he passed out after he had done that and of course I'm led to believe that he had impaired vision for it for the time and and so yes people put themselves through the most unbelievable things and and they achieve at, at times these things and it, it is absolutely staggering uh, yeah I, I, I get that I've I've seen people have to sit down after lifting weights and they're just taking them a little while to recover I think what I do take away from David Goggins philosophy is that that sense we know it, we, but we need to hear it, don't we, that we are capable of so much more. There have been countless times when we, I'm sure we've both seen people who have just given up because their mind has told them to give up, you know, whether that's something academic, you know, people are studying for exams and they've just, they've just given up as they, you know, even people, I've known people at university who've got to their third year, they've almost finished, they've almost reached the finishing line and they just don't want to go on any further. Or in, in athletics where people have just said enough is enough and they've, they've given up and, and you know you're on the downhill end of it you're, you're almost at the end and I think if you know you have more in the reserve tank if you know you can go further if when your mind is telling you to give up a bit like we were saying in that podcast about the chimp paradox and the idea of that 
inner chimp just he's just seeking comfort he's just seeking relaxation he just wants the pain to stop but if you can kind of speak to yourself if you can do that self-talk that we talked about and actually say you know it's worth it keep going and then you can push through those those situations one other part of David's philosophies is the idea of incremental improvement. He does talk about striving to push your limits and to reach further, higher, faster. And that's actually the philosophy behind the Team Sky cycling team or English rugby or, or the, the UK cycling team in recent decades under coaches such as David Brailsford. David Brailsford talks about marginal gains, about bringing out the best by changing things, changing things over time, developing things. Look, addressing all kinds of issues. Give you the example of British cycling. Are you, are you a cyclist, Paul? Oh, no, definitely not. Definitely not. No, I, I don't think it was a saddle big enough to hold me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, no comment. Uh, but the, the British cycling team changed in 2003. This was an organization that hired David Brailsford as its performance director. And at the time, professional cyclists in the UK had, well, in terms of one commentator, endured 100 years of mediocrity. I'm not quite sure that's true. But British British cyclists since 1908 had won a single gold medal in the Olympic Games and the Tour de France in 110 years no British cyclist had ever won the Tour de France. In fact the performance of British riders had been so underwhelming that one top bike manufacturer in Europe refused to sell bikes to the British cycling team because they were afraid of how it would affect their sales if other professionals saw the British using their gear. I mean that's quite embarrassing isn't it really? Absolutely. So Brailsford and his coaches, they began by making small adjustments that, you know, you'd expect. They started to redefine the, the bike seats. They started to look at the way the bike was set up. I mean, all of the things that, that anyone who's into cycling will, will begin to address over a period of time. Now, I want to focus on his work with Team Sky in particular and, and just look at some of the adjustments that they made in that regard. So in Team Sky, they looked at obviously the setup of the bike. They looked at the clothing. They got people into a wind tunnel, uh, looked at the shape of helmets and all that kind of stuff that you would expect that you know with any amount of money that you could adjust those things those are kind of obvious things but then they, they looked at things like equipment procurement so Team Sky use a particular type of tyre that works really well over cobbles uh, but these tyres are really popular among professional teams and they, they run out as you get closer and closer to, to races so rather than risk not having enough tyres they began to buy their tyres over a year in advance Team Sky get through 35,000 drinks bottles a year. They have different color-coded water bottles. They changed the, the color coding to make it much more efficient. So they have blue tops for water, white tops for energy drinks, and, and, and so on. And they, they bought trainers to cool down. Apparently, after a long races, cyclists didn't do much in the way of cooling down. So, so after sprinting to a race finish, they would just stop. And that would have an impact upon their, their muscle recovery and development. So they bought trainers and they got the cyclists, after they'd finished the race, onto the trainer to cool down and that just made small differences small changes in how the muscles develop and recover so these are all small little changes but by addressing all these areas they actually began to make big improvements and that was true for for team sky that was true for british cycling as a whole now from the 10 year span from 2007 to 2017 british cyclists won 178 world championships 66 olympic or paralympic gold medals and five tour
Tour de France victories were won by, as we know, by Team Sky. And that just is incredible, isn't it? I don't know about you, Paul. I know you said you're not much of a cyclist, but doesn't that make you want to get out on a bike? What, you want me dressed in lycra, tight shorts and, and funny shoes? Mark, you'll have to give me the gym and strongman competitions anytime. But look, can I just bring it back a few moments back to that Eddie Hall and his 500 kilogram uh, deadlift? You know, people had always said no one will ever, ever lift such an enormous weight. And I suppose Eddie's deadlift world record is in the same vein as Roger Bannister, who you mentioned earlier, who ran the first sub four minute mile back in 1954. People back then had said it could never be done. It could never be done physically. It was physically impossible for anybody to run a mile under four minutes. But of course, if Roger had listened uh, to the the naysayers back in those days, I I suppose it would have been a few more years until someone had, had broke through that barrier. But he did. And when he achieved that well an absolute army of runners followed his lead and it was the same of Eddie Hall after he lifted 500 kilograms in 2016 we find that in May 2020 a nice lander going by the wonderful name of Thor by Johnson he actually lifted 501 kilograms so yes it is um, possible but I want to mention about this deadlift that Eddie did because Eddie didn't just wake up one morning and go, you know something, I'm going to go down to the gym and lift 500 kilograms. No, Eddie was a fantastic deadlifter anyway, but what he did was this. He had a plan. He had a blueprint that he was going to follow. And what he did was he made little changes every week in regards to to lifting in preparation for getting the world record of 500 kilograms. And usually what he would do was this. He set his target on 500 kilograms and on week one, he would lift 65% of that. And then in week two, 70% of 500 kilograms and so on and so forth that when he got to week five, he dropped back down down again to 60%. On week six, he went up to 80%. And then on week nine, he was in preparation to go in and lift that target weight of of 500 kilograms and as i've said in july 2016 he achieved that world record so i suppose in looking at eddie hall he had an effective program and that involved a well-planned progression small steps along this journey which enabled him on that day in question to lift 500 kilograms it's interesting, isn't it? You wonder, you wonder what the effect of belief is in, in all of that. Whether that is is mental. So you know, once once Roger Bannister breaks that that limit, which you think is a physical limit, then suddenly everybody, well, not everybody, but lots of elite athletes begin to break that that barrier and even go beyond, don't they? And and as you say, you know, five hundred kilos is yeah. That. And what that did was, I mean, you and I will never lift five hundred kilograms. Well, I know you won't. Maybe I'll give it a try. But what it did, it spurred other people at lower weight. At, at, at low, lower ranks in the strongman world to say well you know something if Addy can put his mind to that and make small changes in his training then I can do that for myself L- lower down the ladder of course and they began to achieve men in different uh, weight uh, sections were now lifting heavier because they were applying the, that, uh, that formula of small percentage changes to their own deadlifting and 
do you know something? I think there's a little wee, little wee rule there that we can actually draw from that, even from the cycling world, and apply it even to our everyday lives about making small little changes. That, that's it. I think I think people so often see things in terms of events, don't they? Like that. I was talking about the people seeing their exams as that kind of big thing on the horizon, that big mountain that must be climbed. We might say the same about something like the Tour de France, but actually what David Brailsford looked at was, was just adjusting things slightly, small events, and just seeing where it goes. And I think that that's that sense we, we talked about how we think you know if god has made us and we are the pinnacle of creation in in the universe we are capable of so much aren't we and there is that sense of of belief do we believe that we are capable of so much or do we so often just accept i guess the lie that we are we are not capable of as much as we really think we are and i think that that sense of of being able to change things even just in a small amount so people like roger banister can be a great inspiration to us and as you say i'm never going to run that fast and hopefully i never need to run that fast but actually getting out there and running, you know, doing something and enjoying it and, and going further than I've perhaps even thought that I was capable of. Paul, let me ask you, what are the 1% changes you could make in your life? You know, Mark, I actually read a comment recently where someone asked, if I improved every area of my life by 1% each day, what would the result be in a year? I mean, just ponder that for a moment, because that's certainly worth thinking about. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but you do the maths as well. Just imagine every part of your life being 365% better. Here, see if that was me. I think I'd be applying for a job in DC Comics or the Marvel Universe, becoming a, a superhero. But realistically, there are areas in our life that do need to be, to be tweaked. Uh, you know what they are, Mark, and I certainly know what areas in my own life need to be tweaked. For instance, I had a friend who used to complain that he couldn't get up in the mornings. Uh, he found it hard to get out of bed. And I, I remember a pastor friend of mine in church actually said to this guy, listen, you know, the answer to late mornings is actually early nights. Uh, when you think about it, that's that's true, isn't it? You know, if you're struggling to get up in the morning, then maybe you should get to bed a little earlier at at night but yes we can make little one percent changes in our lives um small improvements i have to say they are believable they are attainable and they are sustainable but yes we, we can make changes in our life for the positive and again another quote is this persistent perseverance and continuous improvement are the ingredients for forming a successful life just even think about that for a moment. It is. And I think if you if you see things as an event in your life or if you see things as a goal or a target, then it becomes quite a big thing. But if you if you think about stepping back from that and just looking at the small changes that you need to make to get to that event or that goal or that target. So I, I think about every 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 new year I make a commitment to read the Bible in it in its entirety in the year and I break it down 365 parts and I begin and I begin the new year with great gusto and great energy and great commitment and it's all very good and then you go back to work and you know things start to press in and deadlines start to come and and eventually that begins to slip and then you think oh I, I just need to catch up and read a few more chapters or a few more books and then I'll, I'll be caught up and before you know it you've, you, you you're almost tempted to give up because actually you know you're not going to read the bible in a whole year because you've just allowed yourself to slip your timetable to slip and so on but actually if you just actually read a little bit of the bible when you can then before you know it you've read the whole bible yeah i think it's it's about setting realistic and attainable goals but 
I suppose the main thing is is doing something that you actually enjoy. I, I realize that in the work environment, sometimes we don't enjoy what we're doing. But all in all, we needed to set things that are achievable yeah. and, of course, and enjoyable as well. It's almost like, the, again, we mentioned this before about the development of habits. So that the more that you practice something, the more that becomes part of your life, becomes normal, doesn't it? So if you practice good habits, then they become part of who you are as yeah. a person. I mean, you mentioned there about reading the Bible where you get behind and you think, oh, pay catch up. Uh, my experience says, oh, no, I've got so behind. <laughs> I'm not bothered anymore. And then you, you fall off the edge and you, you, you don't read maybe until such times as you, you oh, I better get back to this. Uh, and then you do throw yourself in. At the at the deep end again, trying to trying to to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. So persevere with those those small incremental changes. The British Army does what it calls adventurous training, and the idea is that if you do something that you're uncomfortable with or that scares you, then actually that will help you grow as a person. It will develop you. And it's going back to what David Goggins was saying about pushing beyond the barriers that are around you. And so, for instance, you could sail across the Atlantic, you could climb the Alps, you could do something that you find scary that you wouldn't ordinarily choose to do, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, but by doing something that pushes your limits, then actually you begin to grow. David Goggins says this, he says, I understand the temptation to sell short, but I know that impulse is driven by your mind's desire for comfort. And it's not telling you the truth. It's your identity trying to find sanctuary, not help you grow. It's looking for status quo, not reaching greatness. So let me tell you a story. I, I hate heights. You know, if I even sat in this chair, if I look down at my feet, I feel a little bit dizzy. But once I went off with the, the army to do some abseiling, I don't know why, for some reason, thought it was a great idea. Now, abseiling is effectively walking backwards off a cliff with a rope. And, uh, you know, Sounds perfectly sensible, doesn't it? But actually, we went to some quarry somewhere. We found a 200-foot cliff, sheer drop. We, we strapped in. I think someone did have a rope, a safety rope, holding me. And they just basically asked me to, to walk backwards and walk all the way down that cliff backwards. Now, not liking heights, didn't enjoy it, especially when I got to the top and realized how what a big drop it was. But a verse of scripture went through my mind. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me and I said that every step of the way all the way down that cliff just if God wants me to do this job if he's brought me here then it's all about him and I'm going to trust him and I did that all the way to the bottom got to the bottom took off the harness full of full of enthusiasm and adrenaline and felt so excited I'd done it that was incredible so I ran round back up to the top of the cliff and wanted to do it again and did you got to the top of the cliff <laughs> strapped in again got to the edge and suddenly realized how scared I was of heights and thought, what a stupid idea. Why did I not remember? But I did do it again and uh, and got to the bottom and again, full of adrenaline and excitement. Didn't do it again. Remembered this time, not a sensible thing to do. But actually, I did find that my courage, my determination to do things that I wouldn't normally do had grown. Uh, and that's that's the way it is. Those small incremental changes, those challenges, pushing the comfort zone. So, Paul, we did talk about the Bible. We've mentioned it through and through, but we've not really addressed it in great detail. What has all of this got to do with the Bible? Well, I'm glad you've asked that question, Mark. And to be honest, you know, whether you are a U.S. Navy SEAL or whether you're like the strongman Eddie Hall or the cyclist like Bradley Wiggins, I think that's one of the cyclists that I'm familiar with, um, giving your all in your chosen sport or profession, it's all well and good. I mean, these guys and girls, they love the intensity of the competition, the aggressiveness of the challenge, the minute detail in following their plan. But see, those things aren't always as much fun outside of their, their chosen 
shows in the arena. I mean, when Eddie goes back to his home in Stoke, or when the Navy SEAL goes back to his barracks, or when Bradley Wiggins goes and sits in front of the fire, you know, they've come away uh, from that environment where all the intensity and, and all the following that their, their, their plan is all uh, about. And to be honest with you, Mark, it is tough to have a steady plan for life when, when things change or things don't seem to to work out and, and if Eddie doesn't hit his target deadlift what does he do? Well he just adjusts his training if, if Bradley gets a puncher what happens? Well this support team they step in and, and they'll change the, the wheel uh, and so we, here's the question in relation to the Bible what's the plan when things go wrong in our life and keep going? What happens when we can only seem to give that 40% or even less? Um, we all want to live exciting and enjoyable lives well I certainly want to myself but there are always situations and there's always problems getting in the way of that in the way of our plans in the way of our wants in the way of our wills i suppose so so what's the answer to life when there are so many different voices being heard out there suggesting plans for life suggesting how we should live our life suggesting the, the route that we should travel and the way that we should go i mean Mark, here's the thought. What about the plan for life? I mean, for your life, for my life? I mean, are there options? I mean, what are the options? I mean, where can we go to or where can we turn to for for answers, for guidance? Or I suppose in the words that are familiar to our sports people, where do we go for coaching? Where do we go for encouragement? Where do we go in order to learn how to give more than that 40% that we're talking about? You know, <laughs> Can I suggest that the Bible, it's not just an option, it is the option. If you ever wanted a blueprint for life, well, I believe wholeheartedly that the, the, the Bible is that blueprint. And when you break it down and when you do dip into it and, and to, you soon discover that there is a message for, for you and for me in regards to, to our life and how we live our life. So we'll talk a little bit more about the Bible next week, uh, about where it comes from, about how we use it and its value to us. But I think the point you're making, Paul, is that the Bible is different from other books. So we, we've talked about one book, the book that David Goggins has written about the philosophy that we are capable of so much more if we can push through those those mental and those physical barriers. And, and I take that as, as something really encouraging and motivational. There's an element of truth in that, isn't there? We, we look at the philosophy of David Brailsford and that idea of incremental improvement, about life being a journey, about always learning, life being something of a classroom. And, and again, there's some truth in that. But the Bible is so much more, isn't it? There, There is a sense that it is written by the person who made us, if you like, the owner of the team. It, it is about our origin story. You know, Psalm 139 says, God has created my inmost being, knitted us together in our mother's womb. We praise him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But it is, it is not just just about where we come from. It is a guidebook, isn't it? As we said right at the beginning, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So the Bible talks about discipline. It talks about winning. It talks about losing. It talks about perseverance. It talks about sportsmanship and ethics. And I think importantly, it talks about ultimate values. As you say, what is the plan? What is the plan for our lives? But also for me, I think it is just encouraging because it is a personal letter from the greatest coach and the greatest mentor. You know, when and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, all things are possible with God, whether we're abseiling off the top of a cliff and hating every moment of it, but we can do it because with God, all things are possible. Deuteronomy chapter 31 says, 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's just incredibly supportive and encouraging, isn't it? Absolutely. And to think that there's a message there for you and for me and for even for all our listeners. And I suppose that throws up questions. Well, you'll have to tune in next time when we dive into more in depth to the study of the Bible, uh, where it came from, how we use it and, and, and so on. So one final thing I want to say, and again, picking up on what uh, David Goggins, US Navy SEAL, ultra athlete, he says this, he says, whether you're struggling to make ends meet, whether you're training for something, whether you're starting a new job, you're pursuing your passions, there are times when things can be tough. Things can be really challenging. And he says, mental toughness is a lifestyle. And I think, again, going back to what we said all the way through this podcast, that if you want something, you need to do something about it. And spiritual toughness is about choices as well, isn't it? The Bible is about living life. It's about the present. It it describes a lot of historical stuff, but it is about the present, the moment, about God being with us as we go into the future. And as we've said all the way along, God has given us the ability to make choices and it's down to us to make those choices. We have options. Well, Mark, I suppose my final words would be whatever your blueprint life is, just remember, just take just take it one podcast at a time. <laughs> well, there is so much more we could say about this and all the subjects we discuss. And if you are listening and you want to let us know what you think, then do get in contact via our Twitter or Instagram pages or leave a message on the Anchor FM podcast webpage where you can leave a voicemail. If there are topics or issues you'd like us to address, then we're always open to suggestions. And until next time, thank you for listening. And remember that you are capable of so much. God tells us that this is true. So keep striving to reach your full potential as God made you.